Bitcoin and Co. The podcast about crypto economy and the future of money. Hosted by author and speaker Anita Posch. Hello and welcome to this episode of my Bitcoin and Co. podcast. I'm happy that you're listening. You can find more details about this episode at www.bitcoincopodcast.com. Please subscribe to the podcast, share it on social media, leave a review on iTunes and recommend it to your friends. This supports the continuation of the podcast. The more listeners and subscribers, the more people gain knowledge about Bitcoin and Co. too. Let's start with the episode after this short message from our sponsors. You're looking for a solution to store Bitcoin the safe and easy way? The Card Wallet is a high-secure way to storing Bitcoin offline, developed by Confinity and the Austrian State Printing House. The Card Wallet is a professional cold storage solution made with high-quality security materials and tamper-proof features that prevent the manipulation of the card. If you want to know more or buy the Card Wallet, go to www.cardwallet.com. Hello, everybody. Today's guest is Sherman Foschengier. Sherman is the director of the Research Institute for Crypto Economics at the Vienna University of Economics and the founder of Blockchain Hub in Berlin. She is also a regular speaker at conferences and is consulting on the topic of blockchains, especially in the context of sustainability and social impact of future technologies. Sherman, welcome and thank you for your time. Hi, thank you for being here. German, before we dive deeper into the work you do and your projects like your new book on the, the token economy, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. You are one of the most prominent speakers and researchers on the topics of blockchain and crypto economy in Europe. And your Twitter profile also says that you define yourself as an artist too. How does this uh, fit together? Which uh, steps did you take in your personal history to arrive here now at that place and, and talk and work uh, with and about Bitcoin and tokens? Okay, I think my, uh, if we want to talk about my personal history, we will <laughs> need a whole your hour. Your professional, yeah. Okay. Yes, personal, professional history has yeah. been a bit out of the box, let's say. Um, so maybe to put it in a nutshell, I... Uh, I, I, I studied, uh, actually here in Vienna at the university I'm working now, um, um, IT management, uh, business and IT management. And, uh, yeah, back then we were creating the first websites. It was the early nineties. And, um, and actually I was making a lot of money creating websites, coding really cool. in raw <laughs> HTML. Yes. So, uh, And, um, but, and I did my PhD, but then after a while, I just realized that something is off. I didn't know what it was, but I, I, I felt that I, uh, uh, I like working at university. Um, uh, I liked it more than working for a consulting company, which I did before. Um, but I, I really didn't like this one dimensional view on science. So, um, and, uh, I had this epiphany that I need to radically change something because something is off. And then I, uh, I had some savings, uh, wanted to go to Morocco, but, uh, kind of ended up in Spain and I wanted to stay for four days and ended up staying for four years and uh, studying <laughs> filmmaking and then 
that took like, uh, that career path took like 10 years and took me all over the world. And uh, at some point I ended up in Berlin. Um, and in Berlin, I was finishing a movie. Uh, and then I got this job offer to to work for a startup. And that was, I think, 2009. I'm like, startup is still a thing. I thought like, like with the dot-com bubble, everything died. <laughs> Because this is when I also went away uh-huh. and, and, and went into filmmaking. I thought like the whole tech scene had died, uh, only to find out that it, it, it was just taking off. And then I ended up doing this, uh, startup, which was for independent art house films. And it was interesting because, uh, they, uh, was a co-founder and they needed me because I had filmmaking experience and business experience and IT experience. So, um, unfortunately that startup stopped. But eventually, uh, as I was between making money in tech and producing art, uh, because actually you can't really make money mostly with art, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to stay independent, and at some, at some party, random party, somebody told me about blockchain. And that was maybe four years ago, and then that career path <laughs> started. And uh, yeah, so... Okay, but, but you were self-funded all the time. So this time in between web design, HTML to uh, studying film, being in Spain and all over the world until arriving in Berlin and uh, exploring blockchain, it was, you were independent all the time. No, I was working for two years. I was, uh, my first job was for an uh, IT consulting company, but that was quite boring. I, I didn't even stay for a year. Then I went uh, to write my PhD and ended up working at university for a few years. And I, I liked it, but I didn't like the non interdisciplinary approach. It was just too one dimensional. Then the filmmaking part happened. Mm-hmm. And then I was between filmmaking and IT startups. And then I stumbled over actually Bitcoin and blockchain. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you because I, the interesting thing is that uh, many of my previous podcast guests uh, have been introduced to Bitcoin by others, by other people who told them about it and said mm-hmm. to them, Hey, look, that's interesting for me. Actually, that was a talk that you gave. Uh, really? In, yes. In spring 2017 at the game changer festival in Vienna. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You were talking about oh. Bitcoin, a uh, blockchain and Bitcoin. And um, that was actually, I heard from Bitcoin before, but I never really looked into it. I thought it's like PayPal, just different, you know, not mm-hmm. interesting. And then when I, when I heard your talk, I realized what it actually can be and what it can do. And um, I even approached you after the talk and uh, said, thanks for this great talk. I think I remember actually. <laughs> so actually that was the beginning for me. Um, and then I dive deeper into the topic and, and, um, researched Bitcoin and where it comes from, etc. You know, that part when you realized or heard about Bitcoin and blockchain, did you immediately start uh, researching it or working yeah, on yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. It was actually funny. I think it was like at the party after a few gin tonics. And <laughs> so I'm meeting this guy who it was in Berlin and he was a friend of a friend from Amsterdam. So I'm like, so what do you do? And he's like, yeah, I just sold my company and I don't know what the next step is. Maybe 3D printing or blockchain. So I'm like, what's blockchain? <laughs> the problem was he was drunk. I was drunk. Uh, or, uh, and, um, it wasn't very coherent what he said, but it sounded interesting. And I remember, so that was a Saturday and uh, Sunday morning I w- wake up and, um, I'm like, 
what was that again? So I'm trying to figure out, like, how do you remember a word like blockchain, right? So there's no chance you can remember it. But what I did remember was the technology behind Bitcoin. And for me, it was the same thing. I, I had heard of Bitcoin, but uh, for me, it was just a different, like, electronic payment method. So I'm like technology behind Bitcoin, Googling that. And then I just, the next thing I remember, it was maybe eight, nine in the morning or 10 in the morning. I don't know. And I remember staying in bed all day and watching every video I could, <laughs> reading every white paper I could, anything, anything. And I was like, my eyes were popping out and I don't know. And um, a month later, I was... Uh, I organized the first event. I, I, I don't know. Like I was, I, I yes, I was invited to Alpbach, which mm -hmm. is uh, for, for those who don't know Austria, uh, Austria, it's like this economic forum in the Alps in Austria, which is a little Davos, let's say, uh, <laughs> for, for Austria. And, um, I, I, I had been invited to be there at a kind of, uh, um, oh, what is it? Um, yeah, to participate there. And I remember for two days, I was running around telling everybody about blockchain and everybody thought I was like really like some cuckoo person. <laughs> and the only person who believed me or like, not believed me, but the only person who took me seriously was actually um, the director of Alpbach, uh, who then said, hey, listen, this sounds interesting, and I will be in Berlin in a, in, in a few weeks. Philippe Naval, uh, by the way. And um, I will be in Berlin in a few weeks. Uh, Introduce me to some people who work on that technology, because I told him that uh, Berlin is the place where it's happening. So that was my first event, and I brought, like... Philip uh, and Marsha from IPDB and and uh, Gavin Wood and mm -hmm. and and the guy running the local Bitcoin meetup. So mm -hmm. this is how we met. A month into reading about this uh, new technology, I was organizing the first events and. Um, I realized that there was no information online about blockchain back then. I think it was 2015. So I was like, I started a blog and the blog became a think tank. And yeah. So that's uh, the start of the blockchain hub. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, so uh, first the blockchain hub was just a blog that I called blockchain hub. And for me, it was just an online uh, place to find information. And uh, we were actually the first website to host information about blockchain. And it was just a Tumblr. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Back then, this was still a thing. <laughs> and then, um, but I saw myself uh, getting invited to um, explain what blockchain is. And, um, and then, yeah. And I created this think tank because I thought that for me, what resonated most was less the payment aspect, uh, but just like the governance aspect, I understood that it was a governance technology and that it could help us resolve a lot of the problems that we have in society today, if we do it right. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it was clear that you need to, it's a governance technology, which means that technology only sets the boundaries of what is possible and what is not possible. But in order to figure out how to do it well, you need governance experts, you need lawyers, you need um, business people, you need economists, right? Uh, and you also need the techies. But if you only drive this from a technological point of view, you will have a technological bias in that. Yeah, you need diversity in every aspect. Exactly, yeah. also. And so this is what we tried with the blockchain hub and we had different working groups and, mm -hmm. and then I got this opportunity to come to Vienna. 
Yeah. And um, basically it's uh, what we did at the blockchain hub, but much more institutionalized in a, in a university framework with full-time researchers at the blockchain hub. We didn't have full-time researchers. We had people who were interested, lawyers, techies, uh, business people who came together in their free time. And uh, some people were working also on the tech, but uh, the cool thing now at the Crypto Economics Research Lab is that we really have some uh, leverage to work with uh, with uh, with researchers whose uh, uh, full time effort it is to fi figure out what that means for society. Mm. I've read uh, you and the institute you have set up a Bitcoin node now, a full node. It's yes. just, it's not a mining node, it's a, it's yes. a node. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think, I mean, we're doing research. Um, uh, we have some full-time researchers and then we also have some associate researchers. Um, but we don't only want to do research. Um, I think that, uh, so one of our researchers set up a full node, Bitcoin full node and, um, I'm hoping that this is the first of many public network nodes that we set up. And I think that it's very important that universities and, and public institutions run public infrastructure nodes. Mm -hmm. And it reminds us of the early days of the internet when actually uh, universities were running, uh, you know, uh, internet uh, service providers or were also a backbone of the internet back then. And being a very important part of this free, what, we back then called information data highway. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yes, we have set up a Bitcoin full node and hopefully soon we will set up some other nodes. Mm -hmm. Before we dive deeper into the token economy aspect, I want, would like to ask you about your personal um, um, view about Bitcoin and what you think the advantages and maybe bottlenecks uh, of this technology, which is also a kind of a private, open and uncensorable uh, kind of money. Um, what is your take on Bitcoin? Bitcoin in specific? Or? Yeah, no, in specific Bitcoin. Okay. Because it was the first thing yes. that was here. So for me, Bitcoin is an amazing phenomenon, right? Um, for, for so many different reasons. Uh, I think, yeah, first of all, for those who maybe don't know, um, Bitcoin didn't fall out of thin air, right? It, it built on decades and decades of research in cryptography, but also research in electronic cash systems, um, and, and smart contracts. Um, actually, if you read what Nick Szabo wrote in 1996, uh, his paper on smart contracts basically explains, uh, a blockchain and he was much more advanced in the cryptographic tools he was describing. The only thing he hadn't resolved was the consensus problem, right? Uh, so to, how to have a universal state, uh, for that, he suggested a trusted party. Um, but we had a lot of, um, a lot of R&D leading up to that and uh, a lot of, uh, also real proposals from eCash, et cetera, proposals. So it didn't come out of thin air, but when it came, I think the timing was interesting, right? Um, probably the time was ripe after the financial crisis. The time was ripe for, for people really to hop on the train. And when this white paper was published to collectively contribute to the code and to deploy it, and it became maybe a few years earlier, it wouldn't have become that much of a big thing so fast mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so the timing uh was very good and it's amazing i think uh what uh, a very interesting aspect is for me that what 
is the product of a lot of years, a lot of crypto anarchist movement, basically. Uh, most of the people who worked on stuff leading up to Bitcoin were part of the um, crypto anarchist movement or um, the cypherpunks Cypher mailing, mailing, mailing list. Um, and uh, their idea was to have money without banks, right? And, uh, and bank managers. And funny enough, it was the banks a few years later that made blockchain a big thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me, that's a kind of a interesting anecdote. Um, however, I do think that uh, we should be careful when we say that Bitcoin is private. It is not. Um, uh, or Bitcoin is a currency. It is not. Um, not at, at least not in the traditional sense. Um Hopefully, Bitcoin will be private if Mimble, you mean, Wimble you mean will privacy. be. privacy. I mean, private in the sense of I own the keys. It's my 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 digital entry of a kind of money. That was what I meant with okay. private. I did. Yes, it's not. It's transparent at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, that's so yeah, it's more. I think uh, maybe more than private. I think what you mean is uh, you have more autonomy. Yes. 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 Yeah. You have more autonomy over your funds uh, in Bitcoin if you don't host it on an exchange, which yeah. many people do nowadays. So um, a lot of my students now, they're like, I don't understand this. I'm, I'm using an exchange. So they've never hosted their Bitcoin. In they don't a, hold it by themselves. A, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'm not sure if that trend um, of this uh, being autonomous, it will depend on the type of wallet solutions we will have. Um, um, anyhow, long story short, for mm -hmm. me, Bitcoin was the beginning of an amazing governance revolution mm -hmm. because in the end, Bitcoin and the underlying technology is a governance technology mm -hmm. that allows us to, to work, um, across jurisdictions, to reach an agreement across jurisdictions without legal contracts between people who do not know and trust each other. This is, this is the real revolution. Yeah. And money is, or tokens are one instance. Yeah. Since you now mentioned tokens, I mean, since the advent of Bitcoin, many, many more crypto assets came up. At the moment, uh, 2,100 other so-called cryptocurrencies are listed at CoinMarketCap at the website. Uh, but we have to differentiate here. First, uh, the word cryptocurrency is not exactly the right term for these assets. And secondly, many of those listed um, cryptocurrencies um, are tokens, not coins. Can you please explain the differences between these terms? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think... Exactly. We have a mess of terms. Um, uh, this is a very new technology. So we're throwing around with terms and we don't exactly know always what we mean with them, especially maybe the, even among the more seasoned, um, people in the community. And I think that's quite normal, uh, because this technology is new. So. I think uh, the general public and media keeps referring to cryptocurrencies, which I think is completely misleading, even for Bitcoin. Um, why? Because most tokens are have never been were never designed to be to uh, currencies in the first place, and even Bitcoin and similar um, uh, native tokens um, have 
aspects that are similar to fiat currencies as we know them, but they're not fungible. They're not, Bitcoin is not fungible, um, because it's not fully private yet, at least. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the token is not stable, so it cannot act as a reliable, uh, um, um, store, store of value, uh, that I can plan with. It's more an object of speculation. So really the term cryptocurrency in any case, in my opinion, is not the right term. We could now use crypto assets, which many people will use, which would reflect everything that could be an asset, but not the tokens that reflect access rights. So I think crypto assets, while uh, it's more accurate for most tokens, it's not accurate for every token. And I think really token is um, uh, the more general term to represent anything that could be an asset or an a access right. And that asset can be backed by a real good. It could be backed by a, a digital good. Um, it could fluctuate in value. It could not fluctuate in value. Uh, it could be a native protocol token, uh, but it could also um, um, be a service that you consume. Um, it could or also reflect anything that's an entry ticket to something, an entry ticket to a concert, an entry ticket to your, uh, or uh, maybe a doctor's appointment, your flight ticket, etc., etc. Anything can be, be tokenized today. And um, but but was it what is a coin then? the term coin what does it mean i don't know people use the term coin i don't okay okay mm -hmm. i don't use the term coin uh because i think the term coin is misleading mm -hmm. um i think the to uh, term token is more accurate uh, token uh we've had the term token is, is not a new thing right yeah. so tokens have uh represented um goods Uh, in the real world from early shells that we used or uh, the representative money that we used in form of uh, silver coins or anything uh, to casino jetons or here in Austria, we have the palmas, which is, you know, um, a bonus mice or anything mm -hmm. could be a token, something that represents um, a value of some kind. And um, tokens are also uh, have existed in computer science or in, and, and uh, because tokens are used to perform some in computers, uh, um, to computer operations. Yeah. So, um, and the interesting thing about cryptographic tokens on a blockchain or similar distributed technology is that these tokens, uh, now all have one substrate and the substrate is the blockchain and is public and verifiable. Whereas before my token had a different substrate, right? Uh, uh, a bill, Uh, that is printed by a national bank, like fiat currency, uh, um, cash. In, uh, uh, the, the token that uh, represents uh, cash money is uh, issued by a centralized authority, uh, like like a central bank, right? And um, and um, uh, a token could also be a ticket to a flight ticket like a QR code. Um, all these tokens are usually, no matter whether they're like flight tickets or um, cash uh, or a casino cheton, what they have in common is that they have a substrate. That substrate needs to be issued and managed by a centralized authority. And this authority usually also needs to make sure that the substrate has some anti-counterfeiting mechanisms built in so people cannot uh, copy the token and uh, try to get into a concert that it never paid for, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the cool thing about blockchain is that it provides us a public infrastructure for creating any type of token with just a few lines of code. Mm -hmm. 
And if you know what you're doing, within a few minutes, you can create any type of token. I could create a Sherman token. The question is, who wants to buy the Sherman token? What's the value proposition of the Sherman token? And, and how many tokens do I issue? And what's the inflation rate? Uh, who, 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 who decides over governance of the Sherman token, etc.? Will the token expire? Will it not expire? All these questions are actually not technological questions. They're governance questions. How I want to design my token is never a technological question. And, um, so we're still in the very early days to figure out even what type of tokens there are and maybe have a taxonomy for tokens and uh, understand all the different types of tokens that we can have. And this is one of the reasons I'm writing my book on the token economy, because first and foremost, we need a taxonomy. We need to understand what we're talking about, the different classification of tokens, the different maybe aspects that a token can have until I can decide how I want to design it. And one question I always have is then, which kind of blockchain is going to be used for these? Is it one? Are there many, many, many different? A token can run on any type of centralized or decentralized technology. So as I said, tokens are not a new thing. The cool thing about tokens running on public infrastructure, like a uh, uh, public blockchain, permissionless blockchain, like um, Ethereum, for example, is that it's public and it's verifiable. And you can create it generating the token while making it uh, tamper resistant doesn't cost you almost anything. <laughs> you don't need to buy servers. You don't need a system administrator. You, you just use a, a kind of a public infrastructure where you pay transaction costs. But apart from that, you don't have fixed costs, right? Or very few fixed costs, maybe for the front front end operations. And, um, And um, you can create any type of token. And I think it's very similar to the early days of the internet where um, like the, no, not the early days of the internet, but the early days of the web actually, because the internet, we've had the internet since the sixties with the ARPANET and DARPA and it's, uh, everything. But then like, when did, when did the web become a really big thing or the internet is with the emergence of the World Wide Web, Tim Berners-Lee introducing this hypertext markup language that made it really, really easy to create a simple website within with a few lines of code that was visual where anyone who could not, uh, did not know command line operations could surf the, the internet, right? So you could just go on a website, click on the link, and that link would take you somewhere else. You didn't know need to know computer language. This is when web the web became a big thing and the internet really became a big thing because everybody could easily use it. Everybody could easily access information. The problem was back then, most people didn't know, A, how to code HTML. And those who knew, like me, were making a lot of money. And if you knew how to create a website... Um, You, mostly you didn't know what to write on it. So in the early days, we had a lot of websites just being out there saying hello world in some fancy colors, right? So it took us around 10 years until we figured out what we can meaningfully do with the token. Mm-hmm. And I think, not with the, the token, website. with the website, sorry. <laughs> so I think we're at a very early stage with tokens right now. Yeah. And I think what happened in this ICO craziness was that... Um, All of a sudden, when Ethereum came along, Ethereum made it super easy to take a smart contract and create a token. 
it didn't take you a long time. And then it also made it super easy to create another smart contract to issue that token in a token sale <laughs> against some other token, you know, mm -hmm. so people could do massive fundraising. Mm -hmm. And then people would like invest in those tokens as if it was the next Bitcoin. But unfortunately, most of these tokens had poor design <laughs> functions because nobody or very few people knew what they were doing, you know. Mm -hmm. So... um I think we're in a very similar stage and it will take us another few years until we figure out what we can meaningfully do with tokens. And when we do, this will be a completely different type of economy. Before we continue our show, a short message from our sponsors. Thanks for listening and we will be back soon. Start accepting Bitcoin, Dash or Litecoin for your business today with the Salamantex cryptocurrency payment service. The SX1801 POS terminal by Salamantex offers an easy system for you to accept payments in cryptocurrency absolutely risk-free and receive the exact amount in fiat, such as Euro or US Dollar, into your company account. Easy tax reporting tools and system integrations allow you to just go ahead with your business as usual. Sign up now with Salamantex and start the easy way to crypto pay. Find more information at salamantex.com. That's S-A-L-A-M-A-N-T-E-X.com. Uh, I heard you are working together with the city of Vienna on a project for a Vienna token. Can you tell us a little bit about it? What should will it be, or what are the, what is the concept for it? Yes. Um, well, unfortunately, I cannot tell you too much yet because mm -hmm. um, a it's the v city of Vienna has to publicly announce uh, more details. What we can say is that we just started working with the city of Vienna. Uh, they're interested to figure out how they could use tokens. Uh, to um, uh, to create more um, uh, to in the context of a city, the governance of a city, uh, to maybe uh, have um, citizens um, uh, contribute uh, to city services uh, or to kind of raise the quality of life um, of the citizens, how you could kind of incentivize um, people of Vienna with a token that they can then use to, for example, um, in exchange for services that the city of Vienna provides, like cultural services, going to the theater, going to a museum, uh, maybe going to a public uh, swimming pool, etc., etc. So how can you incentivize participation? of uh of the uh, within a com community and mostly things that are already happening where you have people who are already contributing to collective value of the city by being active in the city and how could you visualize this but not in a transparent manner uh but uh but how could you reward people for contributing to the general quality of life of the city mm -hmm. for example Could you, and these are questions that we're asking ourselves, could we, for example, incentivize uh, people for taking the subway instead of taking the car, or even better, taking uh, a bike instead of 
taking the subway or a car. Um, and if and when they can prove that they uh, they saved CO2 emission reduction, they might be incentivized with a token that they can use then to go to the museum for free or cheaper Mm-hmm. Or something mm-hmm. like that, but it's in a very, very, mm-hmm. very early stages. Mm-hmm. So we're it's it's an it's uh, it will be a public and open research and development project that we will do under participation of the public. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, you're also an advisor of Yolocom. Is that the way it's spelled? Mm-hmm. Yolocom? A blockchain-based identity protocol. Or they want to build a blockchain-based identity protocol. As far as I understand, uh, they want to provide the technology that, that enables us, the users, to protect our private data from mm-hmm. being used by centralized companies like Facebook or Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Google has acquired a company named Chainspace mm-hmm. and is looking into using blockchain technology mm-hmm. maybe instead of their login, single sign-up, yeah. single sign-up mm-hmm. exactly, or maybe even to establish a stab- stable coin for using it, uh, paying uh, as a payment uh, tool inside Facebook and the WhatsApp eco- ecosystem. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. i was hoping they wouldn't do that because uh if they if they it seems and this is very new news uh Mm -hmm. that um i remember a week ago i was giving a talk saying that facebook will not survive if they don't start tokenizing soon because um because we already have things like steemit only that steemit has really lousy design function of their tokens but I mean, what can I say? <laughs> um, I think uh, on, a, on a very neutral level, it just shows that so early on in this technology, a company, an established company like Facebook is already looking into tokenizing part of their services uh, and, and hopping onto this technology, which means that it's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's That's happening and it's, 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 it's happening fast. And I think that... Um, Blockchain always came with this promise of a revolution, you know, um, and it was, uh, I think this is why there was so much hype around this technology, because it came with this huge promise. And I think that this promise uh, really, uh, the technology is neutral in and of itself. It really depends on how we will use it and whether we will use it to do meaningful things uh, or really decentralize society to have more balanced participation of equal participation of all actors in society rather than, you know, some, uh, some, uh, points of centralization. Um, so, but with any technology, it depends on who are the early adopters. If, uh, if huge companies like Facebook start, uh, hopping on this now, it's interesting. Let's see if the promise can be kept <laughs> of decentralization. Mm. Um, uh, but but Facebook has to start adopting uh, these new technologies. Otherwise, they're they're they will be gone. But I guess that many people will use like Facebook Coin because uh, they think it's a good thing. They also it's like you said before that many people use exchanges and they don't really hold their keys for their their, their Bitcoin or other uh, mm-hmm. crypto assets. Mm-hmm. So I guess also many people will think that Facebook Coin is a good thing. I don't know what the design functions are. Um, people will generally use anything that is more convenient that things that we had before yeah 
Sure, yeah. And it's often not the better technologies it's uh, that that survive it's uh the first movers that uh, or um the good enough technology mm. um yeah. that was here fast enough um it's interesting really interesting what's happening so um i when i started writing the book token economy two years ago uh and really last year when i started everybody was like tokens what you know mm-hmm. and i'm like no no this is going to be the thing i think tokens are the killer application of blockchains right okay. and smart contracts mm-hmm. and I think we will, uh, in the next five to 10 years, we will approach a society where everything we do will be tokenized. Uh, whether that's a good or a bad thing, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so one of your main focuses is on sustainability. Yes. So, um, proof of work, uh, is being criticized very heavily, heavily, uh, the mining process that is used in Bitcoin for its use of energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I'm not sure. I'm reading many articles on that, but I'm not sure which, uh, one is now really true. I, maybe you know more about that. I found a, um, research paper that says, um, we show that Bitcoin mining is mainly located in global regions where there are large unused supplies of renewable electricity available. And finally, we calculate a highly conservative estimate of the lower bound of renewables, renewables in the energy mix powering the Bitcoin mining network at 77.6%, making Bitcoin mining greener than almost every other large scale industry in the world. So anyway, we don't know what is true now, really. And um, on the other hand, I think there are many cases, uh, many use cases for blockchain technology that can help to make the world a better place in, a, in the sense of bring more sustainability. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you please name a few and tell us about it? Yeah, maybe uh, before I do that, yeah. uh, to the Bitcoin mining uh, in a little yeah. uh, <laughs> issue. So yes, Bitcoin mining is energy intense. I think it's a fact, mm-hmm. right? Now, the question is, how energy intense is it? And what do we compare it with, right? Because just saying that it's energy intense is It's just to make headlines, right? Mm-hmm. So the one question, as you said, is where does that energy come from? Does it come from predominantly renewable energies or energies that have not been used for anything else, right? Or is it specifically used um, to power Bitcoin? Is it residual energy uh, or is it uh, specifically used? Is it green energy or is it not green energy? So all these questions uh, make that number of how much kilowatt hours of Bitcoin of energy goes into Bitcoin mining would make it more relative. But another thing is that what do we compare it to? Mm-hmm. Do we actually know what the CO2 footprint of a bank transaction is? We don't. Mm-hmm. And actually, why don't we? Because there are no numbers out there, right? Because nobody's tracking it. And because everything is happening because be- behind the walled gardens of companies. Do we know how much CO2 emission a company produces? One bank only, Mm. right? And if we, uh, so a bank has um, employees driving to their offices every day, often by car, you Mm. know, managers taking 
planes. Then you have this whole office building that has in and of itself, in the construction of itself, a huge CO2 footprint. Then you do have, um, you have, um, uh, all the, uh, the heating, etc. But you also have the servers that these banks run. And that's only one bank. And then, so what we're trying to conduct right now, but we're not at the end of our research is trying to estimate the CO2 footprint of a financial transaction and compare it to the CO2 footprint of one Bitcoin transaction. Mm -hmm. The problem is we know, or Bitcoin is quite transparent because of the nature of this underlying technology. So it's easy to derive numbers, mm -hmm. but our current system is not. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about this, we're not talking about this in an educated way because we, we're not comparing it to what is happening right now and with legacy systems. Now back to your question of blockchain and sustainability. So actually one of our research areas at the Crypto Economics Research Lab is blockchain and sustainability and like uh, not only ecological sustainability, but all SDGs, sustainability goals defined by the UN, which means it's, it's ecological sustainability, but also um, economic and social sustainability. And um, so uh, we will actually have a conference on uh, April 1st in Vienna. Um, on that topic, uh, we are collaborating with international institutions like the UNIDO and the World Bank, who are very interested in blockchain as a governance technologies to reduce a lot of the social inequalities that we have, like uh, the fact that 2 billion people worldwide have no access to documentation, which means that they automatically also don't have access to banks, which means that they are not included in many economic activities because they don't have uh, documentation and, and they don't have banks uh, or a bank account. So that would be one of many examples. Um, um, uh, another topic around blockchain and sustainability is uh, supply chain transparency. Like because of legacy systems that build on client server technologies, we really don't know what happens along the supply chain of our goods and services and even financial <clears throat> services. And uh, blockchain can enable us to provide more transparency uh, around the provenance of these goods and services. Uh, very often, although it's very important to say that a lot of these transparency solutions can only happen in combination with IoT and AI to really provide you the level of transparency you need to know whether something is really fair trade, if it says it's fair trade or if it's really made in, I don't know, um, Austria, if it's, it claims it's made in Austria, et cetera, et cetera, or whether workers were exploited along the production trail. Um, all these things could be um, actually resolved, these questions that we don't know, right? Right now, when we buy products or services in a supermarket or online, uh, we can't make a really informed decision about what we're buying because of these intransparencies. So blockchain could provide this transparency. Another um, example is um, incentivizing behavior. Uh, so we have a lot of tokens from Sun Exchange to Electric Coin and uh, or Electric Chain uh, and um, a Plastic Bank, etc. They're trying to incentivize you to behave more sustainably. 
So, for example, collect plastic from the shores of uh, from somewhere, and then you get tokens of some sort, and uh, which uh, you can use for payment of other goods and services. Um, or if you can, there is one token is called a walking coin. If you can prove that you actually walked instead of taking um, the car, you get some kind of CO two tokens, which you can redeem for other things. So, I think it's um incentivizing behavior with tokens is a very interesting aspect because it allows us to enter into a completely new field of value creation where value is defined by a collective goal that is interesting for a greater group of people. And if you can prove, it's like proof of CO2 emission reduction, right? Mm -hmm. It's like kind of like proof of work. Mm -hmm. If you prove that you have contributed to the collective goal of reducing CO2, you are rewarded with a token. Now the question, and um, a lot of the, the token designs are not very sophisticated yet, because how many tokens do you issue? If you issue it upon proof that somebody walked, right? Is the token... Is it a fungible token or is it non-fungible? Like, is it tied to your identity or can you sell it? Um, that makes a very different economy. Does the token have an expiry date or not? All these things are governance functions that we have to think about. And what we see right now is that these early token designs are not very sophisticated. And one of the goals of our conference is to bring researchers and startups and policymakers and activists together because... Um, Usually techies who create these great cool tokens, they have no idea about SDGs. Uh, they're not governance experts. Uh, they're not researchers who actually know the numbers of if I code this into the token, that will be the result, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, they don't know, like they might intend well with a certain token design, but maybe the outcome is even worse than the, than what they try to fight. So yeah, that's what we're doing on April 1st. And the conference is called Unblocked, unblocked.net. Yeah. It's in Vienna. It's in Vienna. It will be uh, hosted at our, uh, on our campus and this uh, beautiful Zaha did building. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's for free. It's permissionless. So uh, go to unblocked.net. Maybe you can put it also. Yes. I will. Uh, because unblocked uh, with a, the E is a three. <laughs> uh, there are many unblocked web websites and um, you can register for free, but you need to be uh, the, the number of participants is limited. So register okay, ASAP. Yeah, great. I yeah. did already register. Very good. <laughs> um, so that will be at the 1st of April. And when will your book come out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, okay. So... Uh, well, I just uh, signed this uh, book deal with uh, O'Reilly, but so the German version will come out sometime. I'm writing it in English and then I have to translate it in German. Okay. So the German version will come out sometime late summer, hopefully. Um, the English version was supposed to come out now, but I'm still like in the final stages. But now it looks that I might get a book deal even for the English version, which I wanted to originally self-publish. So it kind of de depends on... Uh, Okay. What happens now? But it will be uh, in the next in few the, months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Like uh, maybe next month, end of next month. No. Yeah. End of uh, April at the earliest, but around summer for sure. Yeah. You can also sub subscribe for the newsletter on your website. I've seen today for news on the book. Yes. I actually. So, Okay. I just have a one? very, yes, because actually my new website, my, uh, 
uh, speaker website, uh, shamin.net, I also speak a lot, went online. So if you're interested in the book, please go on sherman.net and uh, sign up for to be informed when the book comes out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where can our listeners uh, read more about your work? Are you on other platforms too? Mm -hmm. Follow me on, uh, yes, um, Medium, actually, Medium Twitter, um, LinkedIn is the place to follow. Mm -hmm. uh, read my Medium. I, I've written quite a lot. Go on Blockchain Hub. We've done quite some stuff there. Yep. Yeah, I will put all those links inside the show notes. Yes. Shermin, thank you. It was a really a great interview. Thank you very much. You're a great thank guest. You. Thank you. And thank you for uh, inviting. all the best uh, for the coming months and years. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Anita. Bye. This was today's episode. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast in your podcast player, share it with your friends and family on Twitter or Facebook, and leave a review on iTunes or YouTube. If you want to advertise your product or company, please send an email to hello at bitcoincopodcast.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Audio editing and signation spoken by Katrin Eidenhammer. ID and production by Anita Posch.